1: The Jeff Cameron Show on a Libations Friday, loosey goosey edition of the program. Thanks so much for joining us. Great to be back with you. I'm Jeff, that is Tom, Director Matthew in house as well. Happy Libations Friday, everybody. On Twitter, it's at Cameron Show as always as we get started here. A little reminder of, uh, if you're watching on WarChant TV, make sure you like and subscribe. Get to the liking and subscribing. Sharing, celebrating, all that good stuff. And if you're listening on 93.3 Real Talk Radio, thanks for that, too. Appreciate you doing so. Good to be with you. Good to be with you. You know, I don't know if you noticed it. I timed, I really did time that intro. That's the closest I think I've ever come to getting it exactly the way I want it. It was, Roger Daltrey's about to start, and that's usually, I've always got impeccable timing with that, of course, over the years. But, Roger Daltrey's about to start there, Tom. I got it. I mean a breath, a breath before he started. That might be the best one yet. It'll go unnoticed. You know, what we do from this point forward on the show will have far greater impact on the program than that expertise of timing, but I wanted to draw attention to it.
0: Yeah, well, we'll review it with our TrackMan device (laughs) that we have for uh, down to the nanoseconds and the launch angle Mm -hmm. as you launch into the show.
1: I I, I want to double-check it because I think it was good. Okay, all right. I think it was pretty damn good. I think yeah, that might be the closest now. We have no way on I the out,
0: hand timer it was great. Yeah, it was on like the a 4.25. We'll, we'll uh, get the yeah. laser time right. and we'll figure it we'll out. We'll figure
1: it out. The problem is we have no way of knowing if it was the singular best by me because the I mean good god, I've been doing it for over 20 years. I don't have access to some of those wonderful early performances uh, from over there, back when it was called Clear Channel, right? Yeah. And I don't have them from ESPN anymore either, so I I don't know.
0: Well, tough. the statcast era, right? You know, it's only been tracking stuff since 2015
1: and and that's what we have here now. That's the way to do it. Welcome in everybody. Hey, speaking of which, did you I, I no matter where you sit on uh, your your love of golf, we can talk about legendary sports figures that come and go in our lifetime and and we can always re- remember sort of that moment when they were exit stage left, when you when you realize, "Oh, it's up. It's over." We may have seen it today. We may have, I don't know, but we may have at the Open Championship, St. Andrews, uh, 150th Open Championship with Tiger Woods. That was uh, a really touching moment, and uh, I think it was good. It was it, it was good to to see, but it also made me a little sad. It was uh, he's a he's a, he much much more human uh, character of the, of the game these days. Uh, you know, more senior mortality and getting up there in age and not being able to do the things you once did. I think will do that to people, but uh, which he, makes
0: he, it more complex. Because there is a part of me that embraces the human, and that's the larger piece of the pie at this yeah, point in his yeah, career. Yeah, yeah. But earlier on, I wasn't a huge fan. Like, of course, I respected the greatness, oh, and I was course. in awe of the greatness. Right. But I wasn't a huge fan. Yeah. Of Tigers. You, yeah. Yeah. It was the one time in the Open Championship without driver. That's unbelievable. It's After cool the passing watch. of his father, you know, moments like that where I'd say, "All right, push it over the line, Tiger. Let's go. Let's finish this thing." And then there were others where he's dragging his putter and, like, you know, kicking stuff in the dirt, burying his wedge in the in the rough because he – you know, stuff like that where I'm like, all right, grow up, dude. You're the best ever. Yeah. You know, well, if you just continue down this path, this right. is where you're going. So act like it. But now this version of him, yeah, you know, you, you see him get a little weepy and you go, all right, man, it's been a hell of a run and it wouldn't have been the same if you weren't here and it wouldn't have been close. Well,
1: wouldn't have – no, not at all. Uh, yeah, I bet you a lot of people uh, behind the scenes on the PGA Tour were weeping too because they – the cash cow's about to, to call it a day, baby. The one thing, you know, you went behind the scenes to
0: start the show. They had a fantastic camera shot ruined by an idiot volunteer.
1: I saw that, The yes. one behind the T box. one was walking. It was so good. Oh, but also when he's approaching the bridge, they had that shot. Yes. And more volunteers got in the yes. way. Oh, what are you doing? And one,
0: and it was, they were going to pan it and zoom at the yeah. bridge and then zoom at him walking off the box. And you just see the shoulder of this guy. I'm like, oh, then he moved. And then he and his friend stood right in the middle of it. You know, like, I'll bet the truck... The f bombs were left right. man! We and had right. this
1: shot; it was perfect. I've been waiting for this moment. Next week, we're uh, off to uh, Charlotte for the ACC kickoff. Can't get here soon enough. I'm ready for Florida State talk for football talk. It is nearly upon us. Get excited, be happy. Here we go. It's um, it's that time of year, man. And and you know, even more than the ACC kickoff, which. Won't I don't think have a we're not going to get I don't think uh, a big picture vision that changes the way we view the future uh, endeavors of ACC uh, member institutions. I don't think we're going to get that. I don't think that John Phillips is going to sit up there and say, "Well, uh, here's the deal, guys. We've decided to join forces with the Pac-12 and the Big 12. Uh, We're getting rid of these deadbeats, Syracuse, Boston College. You guys are free to leave." No, I don't think we're going to get any of that. Um, and that's, you know, short of that, everything's a little disappointing because you want to know where you're going to be playing football, how soon you're going to be playing football there, uh, what kind of money you can expect and all those things. But, but that's, not, that's not likely to happen. Uh, they're going to give you what the Big 12 gave you this week, which we had fun talking about, which is we're exploring all of our options. Obviously, we have to remain vital in an ever-changing landscape. We understand That the differences in revenue uh, make it nearly impossible to compete at the same level as the schools that are in the Big Ten and the SEC. We're efforting to do all that we can to uh, shorten the gap uh, for our teams here in the ACC, and that means that all of our options are open. Something akin to that is what he's going to say, because that's all he really can say. Uh, and 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 that's fine. And then yes, they'll tout the successes of uh, A C C fencing, uh, and tennis, and uh, and swimming, and that'll be great. But most people will yawn and roll their eyes, and that is fine. What we'll get out of it next week really is more just Norvell's demeanor, his thoughts on upcoming practices, the players that are going. Obviously, you know when Jordan Travis is the unquestioned leader of this football team as the quarterback. Uh, and and as the as the starting quarterback at that, no more no more competition there. That he's the guy. Uh, so there may be a different air about him at this version of the ACC meeting than we got uh, the last time. And and then that's true too. Fabian Lovett is a, a great leader on the defense. As is Jamie Robinson. Those two are going. Uh, I think those two guys will be fun. Fabian's really kind of a, a gregarious, uh, fun fellow to talk to. He he loves the game. You know, I, I, that's something that this team does have. If if you're unified, if you're together, and you're all pulling in the same direction, and there's no more, you know, this fighting within segment groups and factions of the team that have decided they're bought in, and others that aren't so sure, and others that are still looking to leave. Like with each of the last two years, you kind of had a sense of a, a tug of war, and them getting a hold of the room, and that's been successfully done by this coaching staff. Now they failed in other areas, but they have not failed in that area. So when you have everybody pulling in the same direction and everybody kind of understands that it's a brotherhood again, which is good. It's the way it has to be. you got to fight for one another. Football's hard, really hard. It's hard enough on a daily basis to go to practice, bust your ass, do all the things that they ask you to do in the classroom, in the weight room, and then on the practice fields so that you can prepare to play a football game. It's hard enough to do that just on its own, but it's even worse if you're not real sure everybody cares the same way you do. So I'm glad they're way past that point. And what that's done, that's kind of opened up leaders like Fabian Lovett and others to kind of just talk openly. And it's more enjoyable when you have interactions with guys like that and they feel comfortable not only in that role but with the others on their team and their impressions of that role of them. So I, I, I like that.
0: Yeah, there are some years where you, there's one person that Florida State brings. You're like, all right, I look forward to talking to that guy. And the other one you're thinking, well, we'll just see if we can get three minutes out of this guy or four minutes. And and that's from a, you know the perspective of us trying to conduct – interviews in the breakouts you can usually get a good quote no matter what but these three should be fine more than fine saying what's interesting what but what i'm interested in is and this is where i'm not going to say i would miss jimbo but his personality jimbo wasn't afraid to talk big picture topics as a coach you know some coaches yeah, he was secure right right <laughs> but he wasn't afraid to talk about where college football needs to go where the conference needs to go and, and use the bully pulpit mike can't do that i'm going to throw up in my mouth a little bit here in a second I want to see what Dabo says when he's asked about ACC relative strength with the other conferences, because the conferences, I mean, it's a standing eight count right now. This this is almost over. The ref almost has to step in when Mm -hmm. it comes to the power two. Mm -hmm. And you've got to negotiate up to the end until you're free. And one of the things that was floated out was paying universities different amounts of money based upon TV ratings and or success. It doesn't work. Of course it doesn't, but you might still need to negotiate that in the short term until you definitely have both feet on your new cruise liner—not your life raft, but your new cruise liner. And I want to know if a coach like him or Mac Brown, because those are two universities that are sought after within the construct of the ACC, what are they going to say? What are they going to say when they're asked that question? Would they do something like Jimbo would? Because I don't think Jimbo would pull punches here. He'd say, "No, he
1: wouldn't," because he didn't—he didn't have. <laughs> A, he knew that he was coaching Florida State University, and from a football standpoint, since football's driving the bus, uh, the most lauded and uh, notable of the football schools in the ACC, especially at that time when Jimbo was going to the ACC meeting, because Clemson had yet to go on their historic run, um, w- the most relevant was Florida State. So he was speaking from a position of strength, both right. job security and also the institution he was representing within that conference. Right. Like the basic question you could ask Dabo is what could make the ACC
0: or what could make Clemson's relationship with the ACC stronger?
1: Yeah, good you luck. Know, I don't. <laughs> he, but he has a chance there. To use the bully pulpit in the interim, but the problem you have, and I, I feel for the coaches in this situation because they, I'm sure they've got ideas, and I'm sure they've expressed those ideas. They to the love to that tell, he, like
0: these kinds of guys with the egos, love without, to share their ideas
1: without question. But and and maybe they will use that opportunity to get their ideas out there. I, Dabo's not an uh, I, idea man, uh, but but what I would what, what I would tell you is that
0: <laughs> he, yeah, but he will throw stuff against the wall.
1: Random nonsense, sure, yes, drivel. Now, what I would say uh, about uh, those kinds of guys is that uh, if they're angry, if they're angry right now, if they feel slighted, like, oh, man, we're in trouble and you're not doing anything to help us and I don't see a vision or I haven't heard of any down the line that's going to make up for this problem that we have, this revenue gap problem. If they're angry, they might express that. Short of that, if they've been told, there's a plan in place, stand down, We, you know, let us work this out. And they've been given some assurances. You're just not going to get it. And the part of the problem they have too is that, listen, that grant of rights is a damn albatross. So you're not, I don't care how much you beat the podium and tell everybody how angry you are. You, there's nothing you can do right now. And they certainly don't know what they're going to do. So, it doesn't do you any good. It just makes you look like a petulant child to sit there and angrily state how far the ACC is falling behind the SEC and the Big Ten. Doesn't do you any good. It's self-evident, for starters. Secondly, you don't have a plan that you're going to lay bare, unless you do, and I doubt Dabo does. So, again, what's the point? It's At that point, it's like you like to point out, rhetorical. So, I don't know that you're going to get this. I think you're going to see – For all intents and purposes, a unified front. That's what I think you're going to get, and I, and you listen. Let's stay home. Let's stay home. Then, (laughs) well, what what that will do in turn is cause us to roll our eyes. But the bottom line is again. I don't know what they could say. There's nothing they can say. They're also working with ESPN, who sees the ACC as an asset that is crumbling before their eyes, but they want to get something out of this. They can't just decide to dissolve it, so they've got to figure out. That's what we don't know. What I'm interested in, Jim Phillips talking about is the partnership, because he's used that word several times when talking about ESPN, our business partners. Okay, yeah. what's your business partner going to do about the business of the ACC and how far they're falling behind their other business partner, the SEC. What, what what are your business partners talking to you about? Solving this riddle, solving this problem. What are their great ideas? That's what I want to know because Dabo, he won't know, but, but Jim Phillips might. He might know, and I think he senses. He's not a dumb man. In fact, he's a very smart man. I think he knows that obviously there is great consternation amongst the member institutions and that this is a vital time to address these issues. You can't just say, everything's going well, check out volleyball. That ain't going to get it done. Well, that's what I'm saying
0: is there are, there are ways that you could directly see that there's trouble behind the edifice, and then there are ways where it's more subtle. But how many of those types of things are going to happen for us to pick up on? And I don't. Yeah. it can't come from us right now. This coach is—he doesn't have his bona fides. This program currently does not either, so it can't come from Mike. It's got to come from different coaches, and somebody akin to what Jimbo used to do when we would go to Pinehurst, you know, and, yeah. and he would hold court I and he would we would tell you how to... the
1: world should work. <laughs> it was nauseating at times, but yes, he In would. In this case, though, I'm rooting for the chaos. Well, the problem is he would get—he'd uh, go from non sequitur to non sequitur. It would end up being his thoughts on weed. But but what I. Literally so, in yeah, one, yeah, in one yeah. instance. I'm like, yeah. okay, man, how did we get here? Um, <laughs> because Greg Reed's about to get kicked <laughs> yeah, off the team. Yeah. It would be like, here's the world focus. Here's what the ACC needs to do. Oh, I'm perked up and listening. Oh, now we're talking about weed. What happened? Where are we going here, Jimbo? Get it together. Stay on You're message. You in these kids to death. <laughs> Stay on message, man. Let's go. Uh, you just, just killed him. <laughs> that's how these things would happen, and you'd end up kind of laughing a little bit. But yeah, I, I don't. This is going to be, and I'm, I'm not trying to sour whatever content we're able to provide for our listeners and readers and viewers. Um, but I don't think this is going to be an eventful ACC kickoff in the sense that I don't think you're going to get the answers to the biggest of questions. Right for the ACC purposes, there's
0: plenty of stuff that we can dig into for, for Florida, Florida State, State purposes. Of course. So That's Wednesday's going to be chock full. Yeah yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, we do we do the best in the business on that stuff. That's also self evident but i think i think again the, the big picture stuff because right now look when practice starts obviously we can really hyper focus on position battles growth of players development coaching all of these things um, as we get one step closer to the games beginning once the games beginning all bets are off about the big term you know long term future discussions it becomes about that saturday every saturday is you know the the build up is to that saturday every week And and that and that matters greatly. Uh, That is that is going to be of uh, massive amounts of importance. There's no doubt we know that. Uh, But but as far as the ACC kickoff goes, it's just sort of, man. I know, you know. A lot of times it's fun to get up there because you can you can really kind of talk about uh, the the schools, the teams, the coaches, the administrations, the league with a bunch of people that you're going to utilize. Uh, as sources later on, I, I always like that. I mean, you get a lot of smart people go up there. I like talking to uh, our good friend David Hale, who's uh, is, who's great at what he does in covering this league and writing about this league. Uh, I like talking to David Teal every year that I go up there. He does a great job. I like talking to Mark Ennis. He does a wonderful job of Interesting covering. program, yeah, and that's it's a fun program. To a big talk. game. There are a lot of people there. Uh, I'll see Andrea Adelson. She'll go. She does a great job for ESPN. She's fun to talk to and pick her brain. I'll see Andy Staple. I'll see a lot of people that I like to. Uh, talk to, hear their ideas, hear what they're hearing. Everybody's got sources. You always want to kind of pick their brain. That stuff is good. Uh, But, man, at a time where there's chaos in college football, it gets very difficult to have sort of the banal – day-to-day conversation when over here is the meteor you know it's like guys really we're worried about this now because this thing's coming totally totally
0: right but i do think there, there could be a, a crack in the armor moment or two out of this thing you're, you're betting not you're betting that you're going to get the company oh, it won't line. Be from
1: jim phillips oh, of course not you mean of a coach? you think a coach yes might.
0: absolutely you well, have
1: an opportunity here what what risk is there No, there's no risk, but you have to be willing to put forth a new and better proposition. Like, to me, to just bitch about it doesn't do anybody any good. That's just, that fans do that every day.
0: I could see, because the ACC already put out their um, distribution of funds unequally, Wake doesn't get as much, Syracuse doesn't get as much, I would think that a coach in this instance in time, not knowing for sure that you know, you're you going to the SEC or wherever, mm. could push for that and increase the pressure on the ACC to make that happen in the short term. doesn't mean that you want to re-sign another 15 years on top of a grand of rights in 2051. It's just, I'm going to cut a better deal for us right now, and I'm going to squeeze Phillips and the ACC to make that happen sooner. There's a chance right now to make that a headline on a day where there won't be many other headlines because it's the all-star break.
1: Ryan, I want to address something you said in the chat. There, a few others there in a moment because it is it is uh, applicable to the larger conversation we're having about it. You know, next week we leave. We leave on Tuesday. We're gone on Tuesday, uh, and so listen, we'll have content for you on Tuesday. It's going to be pre-recorded. Uh, myself, Corey, and Ira are going to record over the weekend a basically a seminal headlines primer for the ACC. His final headlines with the gallbladder. That's right. Yeah. So because we're traveling, because Corey is going through surgery, we're going to go ahead and have fresh content for you. But it's going to be kind of a look ahead and a look back. Uh, that'll happen on Wednesday. As far as the Jeff Cameron show goes, we're not sure how that's going to work. I'm going to be interviewing Coach uh, and some other people. I don't know if we'll be able to do a live show that day. Maybe. We don't know. Tom and I don't know until we get there with the lay of the land. Yeah, we
0: don't have the itinerary from the conference yet.
1: Yeah, Which is a little frustrating short term and long term we don't have the itinerary <laughs> it's a of the acc right so we'll figure some things out along the way uh, next week's programming is sort of up in the air we're not real sure we just know we're going to be in charlotte it's jeff Cameron Show 93 three real talk radio war chant tv getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing a one-of-a-kind ring that you design at blue nile can help your love sparkle just choose your diamond and setting when you found the one you'll get it delivered right to your door I'm trying to think which uh which tall boy I'm gonna purchase on the way home today, Tom. Okay. But it's the weekend. All right. It's the weekend. Let's I'm not up. saying that I'm gonna
0: Natty light, no, bush no. light, <laughs> Keystone light.
1: You know they make Cigar City highlight tall boys.
0: You still like the full highlight, the full experience? Yeah, you Because they it. created the the high low.
1: Yeah, the high low is good for what it is, but yeah. you, but you have to uh you have to really pick and choose your time for a highlight.
0: Yeah, that's what yeah.
1: A highlight is an investment. In the beginning
0: we all went, you know, pints Guns and twenty a- twos like it was nothing. Mm. And then we realized, dear God, yeah. this is so dense. This and is tough. I'm wrecked for days after having four of them. Yeah. Meaning just you just feel like crap for four days. So you have to you're right. You gotta pick these craft beer. They ones. are delicious, however. They are delicious. Yeah, that's the yeah.
1: problem. It's like you're like it's drawn by that wonderful
0: taste. porters and such. Yeah, yeah I, especially. You have, to, you have to pick. My IPA love, it goes up and down. I'm, I'm inconsistent with it. I love it, and then I'm like, eh, all right, more than arm's reach. Go on. You away. know
1: what I've been drinking lately? Booze. How'd you know?
0: wild guess. It's libation's Friday.
1: La Paloma's. Boom. I knew it. I love me a good La Paloma. A little grapefruit and tequila. Yeah. Ooh. What are we doing here, How baby? How do you feel
0: about mezcal?
1: Love it. Smoky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Well, little, little grapefruit.
0: The Mexican trip that we go to, uh, to yeah. the Hard Rock. I, there isn't one scheduled for this year, so I guess I'm not going. Mm-mm. But uh, the Mezcal Palomas, man.
1: Oh, oh buddy. That's I like em. Sweet and smoky. I've been making some at the house every now and again. Good for you. I know how to do it. I even got the salt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, you have to bend the elbow <laughs> to do the meme. You got to bend the elbow so it looks like the head yeah, of a snake. Yeah, yeah, they're... yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Okay, so I mentioned this before uh, the break, or as we were going to break. And that is that Ryan said, uh, where is it, Ryan? i got to find your quote so I can. Oh, there it is. He said, I think it's Big Ten or bust. ESPN doesn't give poop emoji about FSU. That's not ice cream? No. Oh, Ryan, I think you're wrong on that, buddy. Uh, Now, you may not be wrong about us ended up in the Big Ten, perhaps. I don't know. But I would tell you that uh, ESPN cares greatly about FSU. Uh, and it's because it we make them money. Ratings are great when FSU's on. They care a lot about FSU. They care a lot about Clemson. Uh, right,
0: pundits versus network executives is a very different very conversation. Different if conversation. you want to say pundits are slanted against Florida State, for a period of time I would have absolutely agreed with you. Now they don't care about us. There's apathy towards Florida State. We're indifferent but because
1: we haven't mattered.
0: Network executives, they oh, like Oh, network executives
1: love Florida State, and I've talked to some of them. They absolutely love uh, Florida State. Florida State is a massive, some would say, iconic brand in the world of college football, they care. I know
0: one guy who's driving around who's nodding right now.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's right. He's right. They care greatly. Now, individuals who are perhaps paid for their opinion or analysts to cover, they may all very well fall under the banner of, we don't like Florida State, don't care for Florida State, whatever you want to describe them as. I'd say that's less prevalent than you realize.
0: But it was as much as you think it is in 2014,
1: because of Jameis.
0: Because of Jameis, one hundred percent, and FSU Twitter.
1: Yes. Well, FSU Twitter made it easy. Yes. But but uh, yes, because of Jameis. But they're But but let me tell you, i uh, You know this. The vast majority of the people who are immersed in and have to cover college football for ESPN, that they're not. They they don't have a vendetta against Florida State or any team for that matter. They really don't. They want what's best that's going to get them the most amount of exposure ratings money. That's what they want. And if there are higher levels of intrigue because we can bring into the fold, I think regionally, geographically, more teams that are either polarizing or uh, you know recognized at the very least. So I'm a college football fan. You're a college football fan. It's good for college football if USC is good at the same time that Ohio State is good at the same time that Florida State is good at the same time that Michigan and Texas and Oklahoma are. You want more of those entities who are in the mix vying for a college football playoff spot, and you want as many of those storylines as possible. A, because it just makes the drama that much more intriguing. It's like well-written characters in a film you don't want fewer of those. You want more of those, and you want this tied together in a way that captures your attention for longer.
0: They don't even have to be polarizing. You just want more teams. There's like well, five right
1: now. There's like five well, and when we're talking been, about the playoffs. And this has been the bigger problem in college football for some time. And I was making this point. I'm, I remember several years ago doing a SiriusXM uh, ESPNU show, And I was telling, I was saying to the audience, and I was told by the producer back in DC, that's probably not the angle you want to take there, buddy. And I was like, well, I'm going to. And we got into a bit of a dispute about this during the break my point was that fewer and fewer teams matter in college football and we're getting to a place where it's a foregone conclusion and if you get to foregone conclusion where these three teams have a chance to win the national championship and nobody else then your ratings are going to plummet. Wait a minute
0: so the producer in Washington D.C. was concerned with your take that it's an oligarchy in the sport because if he was really thinking more people would be nodding with you than shaking their head at you or wagging their finger at you If I'm a Nebraska fan and I'm listening to that, I'm like, yes, he's absolutely right. There are only three or four fan bases who would be like, well, this is a dumb take. Because they're the ones who are always in the playoff.
1: Backwards producing, sir. Sorry. I agree. He's not you. But I had to deal with that. I often do. Um, And and that's fine. Now, the guy wasn't like, you can't do this. (laughs) But, But he was like, man you know, we, we're we on all over the country. You can't just tell everybody that they don't have, I'm like, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm letting them know For the precise that they, reason. Correct. And I was making the point that, listen, man, they know this just because I don't say it to them. Stop insulting the audience. They know their team doesn't matter. They know damn well they have no chance to win a national t- championship. And that's tough to stomach. And the longer it goes on that you don't have a chance in hell of competing for a national title, the more apathy sets in. That's why you want... More of these teams, more brands, not fewer. Again, I get that the higher-ups of college football have largely remained the same over the last 100 years. I mean, Notre Dame has always mattered. You know, Michigan and Ohio State and Southern Cal. And to go back all the way to Bear Bryant, of course, with Alabama, there have been these schools, Oklahoma, forever. These schools have mattered and kind of dominated college football. But the ability of a 1984 BYU, okay, uh, a a Georgia Tech-Colorado split national title, which happened when I was a (laughs) grown-up. It's not like, it wasn't like I was seven when that happened. Okay, that ability for that to happen is no more. It does not exist. They cannot. They cannot. You start the season, and again, I brought this up, and I remember, I forget the year, it might have been 87, 88, whenever, well, I have to go back and look, but Virginia and Georgia Tech played a game against each other, and they were both in the top 10. It was like a big deal to see Virginia and Georgia Tech play a game, a battle of two top 10 teams, Uh, and it never happened. It's not happening.
0: Not under the current system. Under
1: the current system, it's not happening. But with SEC money, hey. Well, right. Or Big Ten money. You'd like to see it. You'd, you'd like to see more veritability, I, I, variability, if I could say the word. just can't say it fast. Uh, you, you would want that, uh, I, and it's better for the sport. You know, that's one of the reasons that the NFL thrives. The NFL thrives because of the salary cap, because teams go from last to first all the time. Teams, they change out who goes to the playoff. You You can suck. In the NFL and go three and well, these days I like guess seventeen games, three and fourteen, which still sounds weird to say. You could go three and fourteen, something along those line lines, and within a year or two, be uh, a nine and eight team, a ten and seven team. That is just drafting well, grabbing a free agent or two, salary cap, boom. You know, somebody in your division loses their all-world whatever because they can't afford to pay him. He moves on. You step up. You make a good selection. You're 500. then you're in the playoffs. Fans know that, so they don't lose. They're not bereft of hope, as I like to say. They're not sitting around from year to year going, you know, this isn't going to get any better next year. They don't do that in the league. Now, if you're currently at, say, Indiana, since you like to talk about Indiana a lot, if you're at Indiana... And you go to the games and you watch your head get kicked in by the best teams of the Big Ten, which if, by the way, they continue to add good teams, is going to happen more frequently. You really do go to that game with very little hope and leave with even less. Because you know hey, it ain't getting better tomorrow. And it's not getting better next year. You're not suddenly going to turn have, it around. They
0: did have the walk-off win at the one a couple of years ago. Which can replace the uh, the Randall L. poster mm. and uh, graphic <laughs> that's been sitting there for 15 years and is now completely faded out to the point it looks like newspaper. Do
1: you think that people who root for Indiana just well, what besides the fact that you could always celebrate your basketball history? But beyond that, would you just wear like a Kyle Schwarber shirt everywhere you went? I mean,
0: like even the basketball history's <laughs> been like kind of a minute. Oh, well, it's
1: been a minute. Yeah, it's been a minute. It's the Jeff Caber, Show 933 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach, with your people, and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at microsoft.com slash AI for all. What do you think the the biggest surprise? I was was having a conversation yesterday, or two days ago I guess it was, with a buddy of mine, works in football, smart guy. And he was saying that, you know, when we sit around and we do these predictions, and he, he was noting that most who cover Florida State and or the ACC, kind of projected anywhere from six and six to eight and four. You don't see too many five and sevens. You see low end six and six, high end very high end nine and three. Most people seven and five, eight and four, probably the highest percentage of guesses, right? But he was saying that you know one thing that's also true is that every year there are two teams in this league that most people thought were going to be very good that turned out not to be for whatever reason. North Carolina. That's every year, buddy. There you go. Um, so, you know, there's a team that's projected to have a great season based on returning personnel, strength of schedule, or lack thereof, and they're going to have a poor season. They're gonna, injuries are going to befall them and or they're just not going to play well. And then there's always a team or two that nobody expects much from, that hey you know at the midway point we're going what the hell is going on at Syracuse you know whatever and they're having a good season something's happening where you're very surprised that they they're playing well and I was when we were talking about that I thought well who would I identify as that team who has the greatest level of volatility in the ACC and the more I thought about it I thought it was us. We seem to have the most amount of volatility, at least in terms of projected record, of any team in the league. I mean, I don't, maybe, well, no, I, I think it's Florida State. I think Florida State could go, I, I mean, it's hard to find a way that they could go, you know, four and eight. But, you know, they could. They You could see them going five and seven. You can see them going five and seven. It, it, it's, again, they better not. He's in a lot of trouble if that happens. But you also could see them going nine and three. It's not crazy. You're, you're not like, oh, my God, this is stunning. You wouldn't be stunned.
0: Yeah, I've got a candidate for you that's not us. I mm. just looked at Wake Forest's schedule, and their schedule lays uh, out.
1: Uh, it's funny. I'm glad you brought him up. Were you going to bring them up? I was oh, going to bring them up. No, 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 I'm not mad. That's, that's great. I mean, it furthers the conversation.
0: Well, yeah. because one of the benefits for us on the schedule is that Wake Forest travel, or sorry, they host Clemson the week before they come down here. And then they come here, right. And that's when their schedule really starts, because it's VMI at Vandy and Liberty to start their season.
1: Yes, the, the, when you play games and where you play games absolutely matters.
0: Right, and so the schedule, it's uh, September the 24th, Clemson travels to Winston-Salem to play the Deeks. They come down here. And then they host Army the next week. Anything can happen in that game.
1: So they won 11 games last year. The expectation, they went 7-1, Tom, in the ACC. They lost one ACC conference. They won one. So
0: even if you say you scoff at the Army thing, all right, that's fine. That's fine. After their bye week, they play BC. They'll win that game. Then it's at Louisville, at NC State, back-to-back. Could lose both those games very easily. And they host North Carolina. Which, if it, yeah. Frauds, yes, but they're okay in the trenches. And after you play back-to-back weeks on the road against Louisville and NC State, and let's say, for argument's sake, you lost both of them. How invested are you when, when North Carolina comes to town? Especially if that's your second losing streak of two games after you lose to Clemson and Florida State in back-to-back yeah, I- weeks. So now you're looking at a Wake Forest team that could be losing five ACC games with all of these expectations. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but when you're talking about volatility, Here's a candidate for you in Wake Forest.
1: Wake Forest's S&P Plus ranking is top 50, but barely. It's 49. If you're a top 50-ish team, you really almost by definition are pretty damn volatile, right? They they seem like to me, uh, as a team that could win, if, if we're going to low end them for a moment, I'd tell you that they go, they win four conference games and they lose four conference games, right? Low end? Low end, then. Yeah, yes. They go four and four in conference. Yeah, because
0: their last two games of the season are Syracuse and Duke, so.
1: If you go four and four in conference, you know, you look at a conference, what do we think that their win total is? Is it uh, seven or eight?
0: Something like that. Eight and four, which would be disappointing for them this year, legit.
1: Coming off an 11-win season with yes. a veteran quarterback returning.
0: Right, because you lose all those games in conference. I don't foresee them losing to VMI, Vandy, or Liberty.
1: People people kind of raise an eyebrow, be- and, and this is my point that I make when I tell you that, and by the way, I hate Wake's defense. It sucks. Uh,
0: Which is why the Army game is
1: they're, well, that's they'll, dangerous, they'll, because Army could have the ball for 40 minutes. They'll, they'll beat Army, but yes, they could. Uh, I, I When I talk about win totals, I think Florida State's a better team than Wake Forest, I think Florida State's going to beat Wake Forest. That's a big statement. I'm telling you, they're going to. I, Woo. I'm still mad. I'm still mad about the BS that happened a year ago. Past the Paloma. I really believe, brother, if the game doesn't start the way that it did, that Forest State's in it in the fourth quarter. I'm not saying they would have won it. They're right. in it. Well, they get absolutely bent over by those officials.
0: I honestly believe we were flipping a coin to see which quarterback would go out before every drive Though That's our And own that's
1: problem. why I don't pick us and that's why I don't assume we would have won. They they screwed right, up right. the game plan. Yeah. They absolutely screwed it up. But, absolutely mm. up. but they absolutely also got bent over. The roughing the mm. punter call is so <laughs> I'm am I'm, yeah. I'm angry talking about it.
0: The tackle on the sideline.
1: Oh, all of it.
0: That official, I mean, you've got the still of it.
1: yards that they gave away on that nonsense.
0: And, and he's looking in the wrong direction when he throws the flag. He's reacting to the sideline and to the crowd.
1: That has to be a point of emphasis.
0: 8,000 strong.
1: Every year when we go to the ACC kickoff, it used to be better because we would get to talk to Doug Rhodes. He's dead. Rest in peace, Doug. But we used to be able to talk to these people about how they come to the conclusions that they do and why they have points of emphasis the way that they do. We had a referee seminar. We used to be able to do this, and it was great. They don't do it. The point is, I, I wanted to, if we were doing it this year, I'd be like, listen, listen. Can we see what we're calling? Can we please make a mandate that if they can prove via video you didn't see it and you called it anyhow based on some assumptions you made at the end of a play because what you think may have happened, you're fired. You're fired. You have to see it. Bend over. It guarantees that you're going to miss some things. People can live where you're going to miss some things. This game is played by really, really athletic, big, strong, fast men. They're adept at hiding some of the things that they can do with their hands, their elbows, their feet, their knees, all of it, right? You're going to miss some things occasionally. But I'd rather have you miss some calls than to call something you think may have happened because of what you saw late at the end of a play, what it appears to have had occurred, right? No, no, no. you got to see it, man. Your eyes have to be on it. The stuff that happens on the sideline is always influenced by the reaction of the sideline, like you pointed out. So when everybody goes crazy because somebody got hit near the sideline, it seems like nine times out of ten, at least in the damn ACC, that guy's reaching for his flag before the play even happens. He sees the hit. The guy's still in bounds. That guy's reaching for his flag. F you, man. No. You got to see it you got to see that it happened, then throw it. You can't react to what is clearly an effort by the sideline and the coaches to influence the call. Now you look like a buffoon. They do this every year.
0: Well, you look like an ACC official. You look look like like.
1: somebody who didn't see the play and decided to assume, well, I must have missed something because these guys are hopping up and down, so here you go.
0: Between that game, the Boston College game, and the end of the Clemson game, we were just, I mean, my goodness.
1: Well, man, the the Wake game, I'm – I'll never forget that. Because, again, I'm not here to make the argument that we were going to win the game. I'm telling you, we were never going to be allowed to win the game because of the way they called it in the first quarter. That is, un- you, have- you have zero chance at that point. Now your margin for error is yeah. zero, and we, gave- we made a ton of mistakes, turned the ball over, made a stupid decision with the quarterbacks, which, by the way, damn it, that is the most damning thing. Besides Jacksonville State, that is the most damning thing that this coaching staff has done since they've arrived, was- is to somehow look at McKenzie Milton while they're at practice every day and think that kid can play a lick. That is ridiculous.
0: I was more mad about that game in a weird way than the J State game because you had, okay, so now you've had that happen to you. And you were trying to play them both in the backfield at the same time against Jacksonville State. <laughs> and this is what you've got the next week?
1: I mean gracious. Yeah, that thats that is that that is why there is a kernel, a shred uh of doubt. That is why there is sort of this hmm. Oh, that'll know. rise to
0: the surface more often if he gets can you be like, Yeah, yeah, I remember the
1: wake forest Oh yes. Wow, we should have known then. That's uh, our fault. It's the two fingers to my eyes, two fingers to you. Back, It's really is. It's 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 this. It's the that was also a Kenny
0: thing too, and he's gone. So if it happens again, now you're like, ooh. So the common
1: denominator is not Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> there. By the way, he you talk about polarizing. He's a polarizing guy. Yeah. Uh, as far as the always good people, for a quote and a soundbite though. Always good. Well, for him. I I actually have always gotten along with him just fine and enjoy talking to him. Uh, But, yeah. You
0: know. He was sensitive. But he's young. He, he was, you know, he's just a younger coach and experienced.
1: Ron, I'm going to answer your question here. Uh, Boise State was not played while Mike Norvell was here. Uh, Back to this. If you're hearing this right now, and you or someone you know is active military, a veteran, police officer, firefighter, nurse, or a teacher, turn up the volume here. Pay attention, my friend Shannon. With Legendary Home Loans has a hometown hero loan program designed to make a difference to those who make a difference in our communities. When it's time to buy a new home, you'll waive all lender fees for all hometown heroes. That's $1,600 worth of value right there, guys, right out the gate. If you decided to use their preferred title company for the closing, you save another $600. Now we're talking about $2,200 worth of savings. Pay attention. Plus, if you call and you're getting set up through Shannon, with Legendary Home Loans you're going to talk a lot of FSU football, and this is the time of year to do so. Call 844-FSU-LOAN. That's 844-FSU-LOAN. Or visit FSUHomeLoans.com. FSUHomeLoans.com.
0: Rory is knocking on the door, man.
1: Oh, is he go- making a run here?
0: In the last couple of minutes that we have, yeah, Cam Smith shot a 64 today.
1: I have Cam Smith in my other pool, Tom. I'm really proud of Cam. 67-64 mm.
0: is how he starts his week. Mm-hmm. Uh, DJ had a great round today. Well, two very good Who rounds. Who cares? Yeah, <laughs> but Rory is three back, and he's got a few holes yet to go. Good. Apparently the winds are dying down this evening as well, so a good draw for Rory as the day It's kind of an up-and-down,
1: weird sort of deal with um, with that. I, I will tell you that um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching this morning because the weather was as nice as it's going to get, and the sun over that golf course with those great fans in those moments, it was just – everything was highlighted beautifully, and, of course, it was all punctuated with the emotional moment with Tiger Woods walking up 18 – and, and seeing him kind of get, get a little overcome, uh, it was nice. I, you know, it was interesting to me. Fowl, though, could not stop talking about the betrayal of the body. Like, he kept saying, he's like, look, his body cannot do what he's trying to do. And he praised him for being mentally tough with a physical hindrance. And I hadn't thought about it that way. Like, how do you remain dedicated, focused, committed to competing when your body will not let you do what you envision in your mind? And how long can you do that? That is the bigger question.
0: Also, it's just funny. It reminds me of going to uh, an FSU tournament in our backyard a few years ago, the Seminole Invitational. I know that'll be coming back next year for mm, Trey. We like got two about tournaments, that. I think. Mm-hmm. But it's funny what happens when a player is under the spotlight and not. So I followed a group from afar, including us, but a couple other players. And if they missed a putt and it lipped out or whatever, they just tap it in, and then they get to a green and there's like ten people around, and they they. Theatrics. They do the oh, no, oh, how did that not go in? Right, like, they're right, right. looking around, looking at the world incredulous. That's the one thing with Tiger where I'm like, come on, man. You're hurt or you're not. If he hits a bad shot, he's limping. If he hits a good shot, he's got pep in his step like he's Rory at 19 years old. No,
1: I think I, where we might disagree on this is I think he is always efforting to play it off like he's not hurt. But he can't always do it, depending on if the weather shifts to get cold or whatever it might be that affects him. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. I don't think it's a loser's limp thing like you see in basketball with guys who aren't shooting well. I think he's always trying to play it off because I think he's always in agony. I think, I think he doesn't want you to know he's not right, and he's not going to be right. I think he'd rather – Do you believe he makes a cut in a
0: major again in his career?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think good, so. Good, I, good. I think Yeah, I think so. I think he will. He'll make a cut. I mean, hell – he made a cut this year to major, and his body is clearly not right. And, it, I mean, it almost ruined him for the weekend because he ends up looking terrible that week that he made the cut. Hour number two, forthcoming. Stay with Ah, uh, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy.